horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome, everybody. So happy to have you listening. Things are gearing up on the Breeders' Cup Trail. We got a slew of win and you're in races from coast to coast. And so I'm bringing in two of the handicappers I respect the most. That would be Brian Zipsy and Jay Privman. Uh, Brian Zipsy is also going to cha- uh, share with us a little bit of a, a life-changing event that, that's going on with him. And uh, take a quick look at the, the races we'll cover from beautiful Elmont, New York. It is the 78th running of the Vosburg. That's a win and you're in. It's at six furlongs, so you know it's a sprint. Think about some of the horses that have won this race over the years. A few names you might know, like Bold Ruler, not a bad little horse. How about Dr. Fager, back-to-back champion Ta Wee. Then uh, we go on to... uh, uh, General Assembly, who eventually won the Travers Stakes, so he went from a sprinter to being able to stretch out a great son of Secretariat. And then, of course, the top sprinter, Rubiano, uh, Artax. How about Ghost Zapper? He was able to stretch it out after this race, too. So we've had some really good horses win the Vosberg. We'll see uh, who's going to take it home this year. I know who I like. And then also at Belmont Park, it is the Bell Dame. And the storyline there, this race, grade one, 400000 for fillies and mares. And we got a filly elate out of the Bill Mott barn, going to take on her elders, and uh, she has really been hot of late. Of course, I think you might remember the uh, very uh, controversial, shall I say, Coaching Club American Oaks at Saratoga, where Abel Tasman got put uh, put uh, elate in pretty tight along the rail at the end, and a little bit of bumping maybe. Anyhow, a late loss by a head bob came back and proved how good she is in the Alabama, the grade one, just pulling away by five and a half, Jose. Jose Ortiz will be back in the saddle. And then we're going to round out the, the, the New York races with a very uh, full-field, talent-laden, the mile-and-a-half turf, another win and you're in. And uh, it's a rare distance. It is on the weeds, and we'll see who Brian Zipsy likes in there. Then when we head out to the West Coast with JP, we got so many races. I hope we're going to be able to get through them all. Uh, the uh, the Zenyatta will start it up a Grade One. It's it's a it's a win and you're in. And then we've got the uh, we got a couple two year old races. Uh, the Chandelier is the girls' edition. That's a Grade One with three hundred thousand on the line. And then the boys are going to go and. The front runner, again, winning your end for the boys juvenile. Then it's Santa Anita, the Rodeo Drive. We're going a mile and a quarter on the turf, and then a mile and eighth back on the main. The awesome again. Horses that could end up easily in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So that's a look at the show tonight. Uh, going to welcome uh, both Brian and Jay. I think you know their background by now. So, 
with all this great racing leading up to the Breeders' Cup. Many of these horses, of course, it'll be the last race, Breeders' Cup, the third and fourth out at Del Mar. And um, you're going to want to pull down the easy win for him. Now, for some reason, you were betting Mountaineer last week. We killed him on the 18th. I pray that that was your lucky day. Because on the 18th, we had a $1 super key that returned $2,918. Then we had a $1 super five that paid $2,336. And another super key that paid $2,220. All that with your winning ponies, easy win forms, and it's real easy to get them. Go to winningponies.com. It's a great site, and this is a great way to make a big hit. And of course, you definitely want to do that on Breeders' Cup Day when the pools are huge. You can bet into them, and you will not get hurt. Well, one of the races that we handicapped last week, of course, was the Grade 1 Pennsylvania Derby. And the horse I said to watch out for was Irap. And Irap was trying to make a move towards West Coast on the front end. And all of a sudden, he kind of veered in sharply. Uh, may have impeded game over. I thought so anyhow, but no, they kept it as it was. So Irap did get the second spot at 3-1. to one. But sad to say, I think we know the reason for him lugging in earlier this week. It was announced that uh, he had sustained a fractured left front sesamoid in that race. Uh, he was operated on down in the Lexington area. It was a three-hour surgery, and they're saying that he's coming out of it nice, so keep your fingers crossed. Uh, odds are he's not going to make it back to the races, but a horse like Irap, who is a half-brother to Spitestown, who's absolutely gorgeous and he came into that race with 1.4 million in earnings it was a million dollar race so uh you know he, he took home a, a nice chunk of change there uh irap is uh, going to make a nice stallion for somebody again a half to spitestown by tis now uh third in the travers won the indiana derby grade three won the ohio derby grade three and uh won the grade two prestigious bluegrass stakes the first maiden in the history of the race ever to win the bluegrass so i wrap successful surgery keep your fingers crossed we hope he comes out fine somebody who's not coming out fine is stephen foster no not the songwriter uh he was a clocker at naira and he was involved in a conspiracy involving what they're calling electronic trespassing of eternal naira records he's been suspended for 10 years uh basically he worked in concert with i believe a couple jockey agents um that uh he gave them his his password uh, to the site over a 15-month period uh, that uh, processes all the non-public information from Naira's computer system. So he had advanced information about uh, you know, certain uh, workouts and horses that were being nominated and entered into races. Obviously, that would give you a little bit of an edge. Uh, so anyhow, uh, sad to say Stephen Foster won't be singing at the racetrack anytime longer. Well, you know, we're talking about our winning ends you might want to get up early in the morning friday and saturday that new market there's going to be two juvenile turf races uh that are going to offer a trip to the breeders cup uh well the september 29th that's tomorrow if you're listening live it's the rockfell stakes it's a breeders cup challenge race for the juvenile phillies turf and then on saturday 
The Judmont Royal Lodge Stakes, that's also grade two, uh, will be for the Juvenile Turf Boys. So uh, this is a part of the uh, new European Road to the Kentucky Derby Series, too. So the horse will get points there, whoever wins those races over at Newmarket. Well, our Jockey of the Week, it went to Ricardo Santana Jr., who won the Oklahoma Derby. He won four of the nine stakes offered that night at Remington Park, and he got Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week honors. Unbelievable. He was happy when he teamed up with Steve Asmussen. Uh, unbelievable the, the way that they swept the card out there. Um, you know, of course, the final race of the day was the uh, Oklahoma Derby, and uh, he uh, got that done with Untrapped, who went away at 11-1. to 1. Believe it or not, Steve Asmussen, this was his first win in the Oklahoma Derby. He's no stranger when he came up at that track. Just to say how good Irap was, well, Untrapped, uh, who won this race, uh, ran third behind Irap in both the Indiana Derby and the Ohio Derby. In the second spot at 7-5, to five, it was Battle of Midway, a really good-looking horse that I think has got a lot of upside for the Jerry Hollandor for Barn. And in the third spot at 8-1, to one, it was Gato Del Oro, Bayerano in to ride that one. That was, again, a tightly bunched group going around, but the winner was Untrapped, son of Trap Shot, trained by Asmussen, First win of the year. Congratulations to Ricardo Santana. Well, let's get to some of the other races we looked at last week and some other uh, national uh, uh, headlines if we have time. Uh, again, the, the Pennsylvania Derby, the grade one. I really didn't mention the name of the winner because I wanted to save it for this portion. Might be the best three-year-old in training right now. West Coast. Trained by Bob Baffert. You may recall back in 2013, he won the uh, Pennsylvania Derby with Bayron. And uh, West Coast just kind of stalked the pace. Mike Smith in the saddle just kind of pulled him to the front. And wow, uh, was worth every bit of his odds on four to five odds. So West Coast, we're going to see if he's going to take on the older boys in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Of course, the Travers was a mile and a quarter. Uh, The Pennsylvania Derby was a mile and an eighth. This horse just seems to be getting better and better and better. I'm sure Mike Smith will have some decisions to make when they come up on that Breeders' Cup Classic. So again, congratulations uh, to Baffert, Gary, and Mary West. This is a son of Flatter. Again, he's only three years old. West Coast, the new king of the three-year-old division in most people's opinion. Well, uh, earlier in the card, we had the quick, gallant Bob Stakes, and uh, winning in there was 1A, because we did have an entry, and the 1A was Coalfront, uh, four to five favorite. And I believe, I didn't pull the story down, but I think Coalfront got a little hitch in his get-along after this race. He, he could be on the shelf for a little while. Uh, we'll find out. Trained by uh, Todd Pletcher, a son of Stay Thirsty, went off as the four to five favorite. Of course, you got two f- for one with Pletcher, not bad. Uh, American Pastime had a brief lead in the stretch, but did get caught. Kent Sormo aboard American Pastime, and uh, it was the entry mate Petroff 
getting the third spot. So a big day there for um, those horses coming out of the similar barns. The gallant Bob, a sprint. And let's not forget the cotillion. Of course, Abel Tasman was in here. She couldn't get beat, could she? That's why they put him in the starting gate. Abel Tasman uh, sent away at four to five, was taken back after the start in this mile in the 16th race by Mike Smith, and then made a huge, bold, fast move up along the inside on the backstretch. Just looked like she was going to go by him all, but all of a sudden she kind of went into idle a little bit. I mean, uh, she she battled with uh, It Tis Well, and It Tis Well all of a sudden found another gear and moved on. Abel Tasman finishing off the board. Uh, unbel- well, no, she finished second, rather, but uh, just nosed out uh uh, lockdown, who was five to one. Lockdown had the lead, so it tis well at five to one. Coming out of the Alabama, got beat by a late. Takes down the cotillion at Parks. Well, uh, let's see if we got time for a few more results or information. Of course, uh, you can go up. They've posted the Breeders' Cup World Championship post times. Now, being Pacific time, uh, on Friday, the races are going to start at 11.25 a.m., so add three if you're on the uh, East Coast. Uh, the Breeders' Cup this staff is going to be 4.35 out on their time. And then on Saturday, the action is going to start at 10.10 in the morning if you're on the West Coast. The Breeders' Cup Classic will be the 12th and final race going off at 5.35. So that's 8.35 for those of you in the eastern part of of the country and we do have a, a new stallion announcement stanford is going to enter stud at tommy town thoroughbreds near sanez california uh, he is will be the only son of malibu moon to stand in california and this isn't bad for a horse that earned 1.3 million dollars He's going to get some action, only $5,000, a son of Malibu Moon, and that is Stanford. Well, uh, I could go on with the rest of the race results, but then I wouldn't get a chance to talk to Brian Zipsy, and I know he's uh, ready to go and uh, give us some news and maybe take a look at a couple of those races from Big Sandy at Belmont Park. You're listening to Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and a guy I knew from afar that I believe has become a friend since then. His name is Brian Zipsy. I usually uh, introduce him as the uh, current managing editor for Horse Racing Nation, which was the fastest growing racing news site on the internet. But I've got to update his resume. A friend of mine uh, sent me a uh, text and said, hey, have you been online today? I said, no. He said, go check out Horse Racing Nation. And on there was uh, an interesting um, story posted by Brian Zipsy. Brian, welcome to Winning Ponies. Tell us what the content of that message was. Warden, it's always happy. Uh, it's always a great uh, honor to be here with you. Now I'm going to call you the warden as well. That's uh, <laughs> that's an interesting little tip that you gave me about yourself. John, Part of my past. Uh, yeah, now, is it, tr- is it true that you're leaving um, Horse Racing Nation to seek your dream out as a male dancer? That was the rumor. I'm not allowed to say that yet. The, okay. the news the, the news is not out there. I've been instructed not to talk about my next career as uh, as a somewhat exotic half exotic no there are no, rumors on the twitterverse i just want you to know so you know but anyhow t- t- tell us brian you know uh, you, you are such a man of passion and you put so much of your, your heart and soul into horse racing nation but it's probably just all encompassing because you do unlike some people in racing actually have a real life uh, yeah, I'd like to think so. I, I'm married with a nine-year-old daughter, and I, I do enjoy other things, John, but uh, horse racing, of course, has been my passion since since I was uh, too young to remember. Uh, I've, I've always been in love with uh, horse racing, and I always will be in love with horse racing. Horse Racing Nation was a wonderful thing that came along for me. They were a very new uh, fledgling website with just some really good, innovative ideas and, and some things uh, already on the uh, the website and the computer screen that people weren't doing in racing, which I think was uh, extremely fan-friendly fan and, and good for drawing folks in, and, and that's exactly what I wanted to be a part of. Seven years ago, I was lucky enough uh, to, for them. Uh, Travis Stone was actually, uh, Travis Stone, the announcer at Churchill Downs, the odds maker at uh, Saratoga, was the was the guy that recruited me, and uh, it was Breeders' Cup uh, 2010 where I agreed to uh, kind of take the helm and, and, and get the uh, the news part of HRN really rolling. So I was editor just about seven years. Uh, honestly, I probably did more than I needed to do. I, I, I didn't have a day off in those seven years. I worked every single day, and it was... It was a job of passion, and uh, finally, I think it became a, a job where I wanted to, to step away a little bit and uh, breathe a little bit, have some days off here and there, but also, John, I really do uh, love so many things about this industry. I do want to kind of explore 
other uh, other avenues, other options, whether it be uh, bloodstock breeding partnerships, my own my own website, all sorts of different things uh, uh, that I have ideas for. Uh, also, uh, Horse Racing Nation. Uh, again, once again, it's made me happy by uh, basically, uh, you know, asking me to be a senior writer with the team, stay on and do some uh, do some episodes of the video show Horse Center every week and, and uh, an occasional column or a somewhat regular column, I guess. So that's great. Uh, I'm still with Horse Racing Nation a little bit, but you're going to see some other things coming from good old Zipsy at the track in the near future. Well, that, that's good. I mean, seven years without a day off. I mean, that that's that's un- unbelievable. Uh, but I'm guessing maybe we'll still see uh, Zipsy at the track in some form every now and then on Horse Racing Nation. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I do plan. Uh, you know, it, things things happen. Uh, we go in different directions here, and I'm I'm going to probably immerse myself a little bit into other things, horse racing related. But other things. Uh, but my plan is to at least uh, have a column a week. And uh, like I said, that Horse Center uh, video show I do with Matt Schiffman. So I will not be a stranger to uh, Horse Racing Nation fans out there. Great, great. Well, uh, I'm sure nothing but good things are going to come down the road. Uh, sometimes change is good for a change. And, uh, you know, the old uh, one door closes, one door opens. You decided to close this door yourself. And uh, with your talent and work ethic, I, I know good things are going to come your way, Brian. I appreciate that, John, and, and, and I believe that, and, and I believe it for you as well. So uh, maybe we'll team up and do something uh, down the road. Uh, you never know. I juggle a lot of balls. Let me know when I can jump in the circus, my friend. So, there you uh, go. Well, I, I know one thing that that hasn't changed is, is your ability to do a little bit of handicapping, and I'm going to tap Jay Privman for the big uh, West Coast races. My God, there's like five that are winning your ends out there. There's several at Belmont Park and kind of gave you a heads up. I'd like to tap on you for some of those and uh, start with the Vosburg at the top of the show. I talked about some of the horses that have won this race and you know, we're uh, talking about horses like, uh, you know, bold ruler, uh, Dr. Fager, my Juliet, Dr. Patches, track bear. And I mean, uh, just some of the quickest horses you ever saw. And a lot of them that were able to stretch out later in their life, like go sapper, uh, you know, general assembly. So, you know, it's an interesting race in that, uh, you know, you can become a speedster that someday can stretch out. And I think that certainly stamps you as a good sire, but, uh, the Vosburg this year, only seven going to post. It's a grade one, 350,000 dollars. There's three horses that float to the top to me, but I'm going to turn the stage over to you, and I'll just chime in as I please. Yeah, well, there are no Dr. Fagers in this one, John, but it, it's a <laughs> very interesting race, and I think if you're uh, looking to uh, to find some value, I think a couple of the big stakes at Belmont do have that, uh, that option of, of possibly some favorites going down to defeat. In the Vosburg, I think El Beal will get bet pretty heavily. Uh, I guess he's six to five on the morning line, and he's just he's he's on a roll lately for Navarro, uh, uh, just running huge buyers, huge performances. Only a couple of them though have come against good horses, and this this will be his toughest test to date. I think the thing that really jumps out from the past performances here, John, is that there is a lot of speed because. Tackaful is is a major major talent as a speed horse, the three year old from the McLaughlin barn, and then you got Mr. Crow, 
another lightly raced kind of new on the scene. All, all three of the favorites, El Deal, Takaful, Mr. Crow, are kind of new superstar sprinters. Uh, you know, they haven't quite proven it against the very best yet, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But El Deal is speed, Takaful is speed, Mr. Crow wants to be close, Green Garado, throw him in as a real speed horse, and, and this is a race where the first should fly. Sometimes at six furlongs, that doesn't matter, and they go all the way. But uh, I'm going to look for a horse that can come off the pace because if they run 44 flat or so at Belmont, that becomes tough to hold on, uh, especially when the pressure they're getting is from quality, quality speed horses. So you know, you know who's interesting to me is the old war horse, Stall Walking Dude. He's eight to yeah. one on the morning line. Now, you, if you look at his form, you're not really sure what to think of Stall Walking Dude. He hasn't beaten top horses recently. But if you also look a little further, deeper into his form, you'll see his very best races are when he comes from off the pace. Sometimes he's closer. I don't like him as well when he's closer to the pace, when there's less speed in front. But when there's a bunch of speed and he can lay way back early and make one run, he is a dangerous horse. So 8-1 to one on the morning line sounds pretty good to me. I'm going to take a shot on stall-walking dude for, uh, I guess, Jersey Joe Bravo is going to be riding him, which doesn't hurt at all either. No, and uh, turn back the clock a little bit to last year this time, and uh, he did uh, come from off the pace, made the lead, was only beaten a uh, length by joking, and lasted a length o- over weekend hideaway, uh, who's another horse that's going to be in this field. So it will be interesting. It's definitely going to be those speed horses up there, but I have to say, I-, I certainly won't be surprised if L Deal gets the deal done. If you look at his current form, Byers 102, 102, and jumps up with a 112 in the Alfred Vanderbilt. What's interesting is all of those figures came since the horse changed barns from Francisco D'Angelo to Jorge Navarro, a name that's been in the news for not all the right reasons of late. But, uh, you know, uh, boy, whatever, uh, you know, he's getting in his Rice Krispies in the morning. He sure is liking. But, yeah, stall walking dude, great angle, Brian, especially if you're looking for a little value in a race like that, short field in a sprint. Then we go to the Bell Dame. Of course, I talked about uh, Elate, the three-year-old filly. I believe uh, Princess Silmar that won the Oaks a couple years ago uh, came back a- as, as a three-year-old. And again, we're talking about, I'll go to more modern times. I, I can go back to Gainley because I saw her run. She won this race twice. Uh, Champions Desert Vixen and and Susan's Girl. Uh, but then uh, horses that uh, people that are a little bit younger than me might remember, like Lady's Secret, Go For One, Serena's Song, A Shadow, uh, Life at Ten. These are all horses that won the Bell Dance. Uh, Brian, can uh, Elate hold her form for Billy Mott? You know, a lot of debate about the coaching club American Oaks, whether she got pinched at the wire there. Um, You know, it's not like she's being asked to uh, go up against a lot of world beaters in here. I think she can get the job done. Yeah, John, I I was talking about uh, some value in some of the big races at Belmont on Saturday. Unfortunately, I don't think the Bell Dame is the spot for that unless you're, unless you're looking really to go deeper into the exotics with trifectas and superfectas. There's no desert vixens in here, John, but a late is a serious, serious three-year-old, and she's facing not-so-serious older mares in here. There's some decent enough horses. Money's on Charlotte's getting good, asking for money, Verve's tail maybe. 
but they're not grade one Phillies. They're not grade two Phillies, frankly. It, it, it's, it's a pretty weak bell dam for the older horses. Elate was a horse with a ton of talent. I saw her at Aqueduct last fall, break her maiden by more than a dozen lengths. And, and she was just uh, one of those uh, Phillies that needed to uh, kind of grow up a little bit early in the year. Bill Mott, if, as you know, doesn't rush his horses at all. So she had some growing pains early this year. She was not one of the best uh, three-year-old fillies in the country the first half of the year, but there's no doubt in my mind she got uh, she got some maturity. She got a nice, easy stakes win at Delaware Park uh, in the summer, and she was a monster at Saratoga. You could certainly say she was best in the coaching club American Oaks against a pretty likely Eclipse Award winner in Abel Tasman. And then in the Alabama, she just destroyed a, a, a good field, probably even a better field than she's going to see in the Bell Dame. And that's strange to say, going uh, first time against older mares. But I just think she stands over. The three-year-old stands over this field as far as class. And I think she's only getting better. And this looks like an absolutely great spot. If you're betting uh, with the uh, big verticals uh, as far as uh, superfectors or trifectas, or you're going horizontal, uh, she looks like a free square to me. All right. Uh, Brian, I only got about a minute and a half less left, and I'm giving you one of the toughest races of the day. Mile and a half at Belmont Park. Again, we have a three-year-old taking on his elders. Oscar Performance has put together some really nice races. We'll get a five-pound break from the older horses, but I just think there's older horses here that have better resumes. Yeah, Oscar Performance, John, I think is the real deal. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him as a fan. I think he's a really nice horse. I do agree with you. I think he'll get overbet in this spot because of how good a three-year-old he is. There's a lot of good older horses. Unlike the Bell Dam, there's a lot of good options in here. Plus, I think that maybe the next two horses on the uh, the odds board, Beach Patrol and Money Multiplier, both for Chad Brown, will be out there and making life difficult for Oscar uh, at some point on the turn and, and as they straighten out. Oscar won't have that easy lead as he straightens out in this longest race he's ever run, 12 furlongs. So I'm looking for, again, horses to rally in here a lot, and there's some good options with big odds. A couple of them I want to mention would be uh, the uh, first-time Lasix, the other motion horse, Mechtal. Mechtal was a very good horse, son of Sea the Stars in Europe. He didn't run his best race in Chicago, gets Lasix this time. I think he has a big shot to run. The other uh, uh, motion horse, Ascend, 12 to 1, liked Belmont last time. He certainly could run. And Sadler's Joyce, 4 to 1 on the morning line. I think he'll be a little higher than that. I think he'll be 5, 6 to 1. He might be the most likely winner a mile and a half at Belmont with some pace. He looks like he's getting this good. If he drifts up to 6 to 1, take a shot on him for sure. All right. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, Sadler's Joy is my pick in the Joe Hirsch uh the, the horse, such a rare distance, a mile and a whole, uh, half. He's raced it four times, has three wins in the seconds for earnings of $742,000. Brian Zipsy, thank you so much uh, for being with us. I wish you nothing but the best in your new career as a male dancer. And then, uh, give me a list of the clubs you're going to be at, okay? Coming to Ohio soon. <laughs> All right. We've been talking to uh, Brian Zipsy, a guy that's going to be going out there and doing a lot of different things in horse racing. Sure, he'll uh, be a success whichever way he goes. And now we're going to talk to a man who's established himself firmly as a successful person in the sport of racing, and that's the one and only Jay Privman. We're going to take a break. This is Winning Ponies. I'm John Englehart. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me now, a gentleman that I hold in high esteem, and I'd like to be able to say that and I can now call him a friend. I don't just view him from afar, and that's not wood on fire in Kentucky. Uh, that is Jay Privman, an award-winning writer. Uh, you know, he's uh, put out one of the best uh, Breeders' Cup books in the world. Uh, uh, if I could afford a coffee table, it would be on it, but it's a fantastic book. Uh, a, I, this is still unbelievable. Every time I introduce him, I have to say this. A six time winner of the Red Smith Award. If you don't know what that is, it is for the best Kentucky Derby story of the year. That is phenomenal. Now, a lot of you people may know him because you see his his presence uh, very often when he's covering the major stakes races. And again, he'll be covering them again for NBC. So with no further ado, Jay Privman, how are you? Good, John. Good to be with you again. Well, it's oh, it's always good to be with you. You know, uh, I can't read through your whole resume. The show's only an hour long, um, but you are a uh, a current director um, of the uh, National Turf Riders and Broadcasters Association. Uh, you're a past president of that association. I'm so glad a couple years ago, as a former president of the Turf Publicists of America, that we kind of joined arms and uh, you know kind of became a team though still separate entities because I'll tell you the directory that we put out every year is just a talent laden who's who of, of racing and broadcasting and publishing it's just fantastic to look through your, your membership and I'd have to say I probably get 90% of my guests out of our directory um, how do you uh, still maintain responsibility with that association with your writing for the form and your duties on NBC? Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm still, I like to be as involved with the turf riders as, as I can be. I'm not actually a director 
anymore. Um, I like to support the organization as much as I can. I'm still a member, but I also firmly believe that there should be uh, some rotation in terms of who is responsible for the organization. And, and, I, and I, when my term came up in May, uh, I said that I really did not want to run for another two-year directorship. I thought it was time to have some younger blood in there uh, and to try and get some more people involved instead of having the same old faces. So I'm still, uh, I like to be asked to consult and tell people, you know, give them ideas and, and things of that nature. But, um, you know, in terms of the broader responsibilities, I'm trying to bring some new people in more often. Um, but, you know, it's just sort of time management. I mean, we all, we're all very busy and I like what I do and I'm very lucky to have a, a job that involves something I'd be a fan of. So uh, I make time for whatever it, 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 it needs to be, whether it's the writing, the TV, anything. Well, there's such a fan of yours. I want you to know in print you're still listed as one of the directors because I hold the book in my hand. So uh, <laughs> they'll just have to update the copy there for you, Jay Privman. Um, <clears throat> Jay, you've kind of got a, a unique angle, I'll say, as a broadcaster because – Leading up to the broadcast, you're not coming in cold. I know sometimes they bring in people that kind of have a celebrity status and somebody knows them from another sport or whatever. But just like we're going to have you know, a discussion tonight about these winning your in races, um, you've got a nice edge in that you know, part of your full-time job is to be following these horses and write about them. So when you go on air, you are 100% ready to roll. Yeah, I, I, I like to think that that's the, the skill set that I can bring to the table is being involved in the sport on a daily basis and doing reporting on a daily basis that I'm up to speed on the sort of some of the behind the scenes things that are going on. And I can hopefully bring that to the broadcast and bring a little more insight uh, than somebody who doesn't do the, uh, the sport on a regular basis. Right. And I understand that, you know, the, the reason for bringing in, you know, some, you know, celebrity charm and stuff. But uh, when, it, when it comes to the boots on the ground and the nitty gritty information, I, I want to be talking to Jay Privman. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I think one of the things that NBC does really skillfully is have a little bit of something for everybody so that you can get the regular horse players interested, but also try and be inviting to people who aren't regular racing fans but might want to tune in and, and, and see a big race. And maybe one of the reasons that they're going to watch is because they heard that some celebrity is going to be involved in the broadcast or has a horse that's running. So I think it's a little something for everybody, and I think it works. Yeah, it, it, it does work. Now, um, you know, I'm thinking at this point, even this close or this far out, shall I say, that at this point in time, you're not sure – 100% which position you're playing. I mean, it's almost like uh, I'm the producer's a manager of a baseball team. You know, who's on first, who's on second, who's going to cover the outfield. Uh, when do you start to get a harder feel for what races you might be covering or if you're going to be doing the wind circle or if you're going to be doing pre-race analysis? Yeah, it, as it gets closer, the producer is in touch with us over maybe some story ideas. And and then we start doing some some formatting that we get and, and, and look over everything. But, I mean, my role is generally the same. I mean, the specifics might change from show to show, but, you know, my job is to interview people before and after races at the Breeders' Cup. They've often had me do some of the winter circle trophy presentation stuff. Uh, so that's sort of the broad outline, but the specifics of what content I'll have is 
we decide much, much closer to race day after we see who's in the races and how the final round of preps have gone and what some of the more compelling storylines are. Okay, that's a difference of knowing who your starters are and then deciding on the game plan, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're talking with uh, Jay Privman. I can't tell you what he does because he does too many things, uh, but he, he is boots on the ground. Uh, he's got such a familiarity with the uh, the people and players, the jockeys and trainers uh, involved on the West Coast. So I asked him to kind of chime in on some of these winning your in races. It's just going to be an amazing day at Santa Anita, whether you're just watching or you're a player. So I'm going to ask him to uh, chime in on some of these races. Uh, it uh, just breaks my heart to see a grade one that only draws six horses, but that's what we're looking at at the Zenyatta, Jay. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of the big races this year, uh, with these final round of preps, the major players in some of these races are skipping them to come into the Breeders' Cup a little bit fresher. And, for instance, in this race, Stellar Wind would have been the favorite. She's probably the favorite for the Breeders' Cup Dispath, which is what the Zenyatta final West Coast prep for, but she's bypassing this race. Uh, but even with her out, uh, you still didn't get a deep field, and Paradise Woods is, was the Santa Anita Oaks winner earlier this year, but she really has not performed well in her two starts since, and we'll see if she can bounce back. I know that, faithfully, the distance of the Tranquility Lake last time going a mile might have been a little bit abrupt for her, and she might not have run quite as well at Delmar as she has at, uh, at, at other tracks, and I, I, I kind of give her the, the, the little bit of the edge here. I thought she ran a respectable race in the Clement Hirsch behind Stellar Wind and Valdori, and I think now back at Santa Anita and with a little bit more distance than she had in the Tranquility Lake that she can, uh, she can get up and beat Shenandoah Queen, and then it's just a matter of whether Paradise Woods runs another freaky race, but uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take faithfully. Yeah, and for those of you that that like to uh, uh, take in the replays, you'll be able to see half the field uh, if you go back uh, to the August 25th Delmar race, the Tranquility race, because uh, uh, Tranquility Lake race, because uh, Shenandoah Queen, Faithfully, and Motown Lady are all coming out of that race. Well, I think I had enough time to get into one of our two-year-old races. Uh, let's go to the ladies, uh, the winning you're in. Now, as always, uh, the, the question mark in here is who can stretch out? You've normally got horses that have won a couple sprints, uh, have maybe only made one or two starts, and now you're going to ask them to go to mile and a 16th, which they're going to be asked to go along on Breeders' Cup Day. And uh, let me know if you've got any angles in here, because I had a hard time time uh having anybody jump out uh from here i mean you did have the juvenile phillies uh turf at at delmar and the winner uh terry's angels in here and uh, a jockey that i don't know much about s Risenhoover, uh will most probably be getting their first for uh breeders cup mount right her name's sasha Risenhoover. she uh, rode regularly at lone star uh I, I did a pretty lengthy story on her both when terry's angel won that race at Delmar and then the day after. So um, you can do your homework after the show's over and read up on her. Uh, Moonshine Memories won the Delmar debutante in her last start. Uh, and I thought it was a very impressive race. She set a fast pace going seven furlongs where there's not much of a run-up. Uh, and she was coming back on short rest. And I thought it was a pretty game effort for her to win that day. So, John, I think she's probably the horse to beat. The horse that I'm really interested in seeing how she bounces back is just a smidge because her maiden win at Delmar was really impressive 
and she trained great coming into the Del Mar debutante, and she just didn't run a jump that day. Um, she's come back and worked well since then, uh, and I'm interested to seeing if she can bounce back and run better, but her, you know, her first race was really good, and her second race was just baffling to me. Uh, I still think that if she can run back to her debut, she has the potential to be uh, one of the best two-year-old fillies in the country. So uh, the race to me is between Moonshine Memories and Justice Mitch. Yeah, and she's uh, by into mischief, uh, who's really uh, becoming a breed-changing uh, horse here, uh, uh, Spendthrift Stallion, uh, son of Harlan's Holiday, and uh, his horses have just been running great. And yeah, again, she was favored in that race, a head scratcher. I don't know if uh, Bob Baffert just wants to change for the sake of change, but I see this replacing Bayerano with uh, Mike Smith in there on uh, just a smidge. But uh, without a doubt, the, the the horse I have a check by is uh, uh, Moonshine Memories, the one to beat, in my opinion. Uh, de- definitely so. I mean, she's her race in the Del Mar debutante was very, very impressive. All right. Well, listen, we're talking with Jay Privman uh, of the uh, daily racing form of uh, NBC uh, Breeders' Cup coverage. Uh, and uh, we're going to be back in, in just a minute. We're going to take a little bit of a break and see if I can't fit in three more races, all three of them winning your ends from Santa Anita. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, award multi-award winning writer and also television broadcaster, Jay Privman is with us. And let's not forget that he's also a writer for the Bible, the Daily Racing Form. And um, we're, uh, he covers the beat primarily on the West Coast. He's there. From what I understand, he only lives about 15 minutes from Del Mar, so uh, he ought to be on top of what's happening there, Breeders' Cup week. But now we're at Santa Anita. 
And uh, we're talking about the boys' version now, winning your in uh, for the juvenile uh, Colts, uh, the grade one front runner. And in here, of course, I read a column penned by Jay today, and makes sense to me. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we're talking about the blinkers on Bolt Dioro. Right. His uh, trainer and owner, Mick Ruiz, had told me the day after that he won the Del Mar Futurity, he was thinking of taking the blinkers off of him for his next start uh, when he went two turns. He had worn blinkers in his first two races. Both were sprints, but upon further review, he decided to leave well enough alone, so the blinkers will stay on Boltoro. He was two for two at Del Mar. Uh, he is the horse to beat on Saturday, stretching out around two turns. He certainly has the pedigree uh, to suggest two turns is certainly going to be fine. He's by Medallia Doro. He's out of an AP Indy mare. He's a big, good-looking horse, uh, and he's going to He's going to take some beating. Uh, you know, Zatter ran second to him in the race at Del Mar, but there's a chance Zatter's going to go to New York uh, and run in the Champagne Stakes. Uh, they might divide and con- try and divide and conquer with Zatter and Solomini. They're both trained by Baffert and both owned by Zayat Stables. Right. I mean, you know, boy, he, he's got some good problems to have that Bob Baffert, you know, <laughs> trying to keep his great horses away from one another. Well, th- there's kind of a mystery horse in here for me, Jay. I, I've been a fan of the young sire violence of late. Uh, his horses have really jumped up in it and have done well. He had kind of an abbreviated career himself, but uh, he, a son of um, Madaglia Dioro, has this Ayakara, who's a British bred who was foaled in Britain, but he's Kentucky pedigree top and bottom and has raced exclusively at Del Mar. Right, and he was sold as a yearling at Keeneland, so he's been in this country for you know for quite a while. He's not like he's a racing import. Um, he was well beaten in his debut at Del Mar sprinting, but he came back and won going two turns, and that's one of the edges that he's got over some of his rivals in here is that he's, already shown that he can handle two turns so that that should you know help him uh the question is is he good enough to beat bolt doro is he as talented but certainly he's already shown that he can handle the distance uh well again you you stated that zatter may go to the champagne so this may be uh, idle conversation but I, I will say i watched the del mar futurity i thought he was a winner turning for home uh but bolt doro was just too much in those final 40 yards yeah, he was just the better horse on the day for sure. Uh, well, uh, uh, Flavian Pratt was riding that Ayakaro, the uh, British kind of Kentucky bred that we were talking about. I noticed that uh, he's going to ride for Baffert and Zayat uh, on this Solomini, who uh, came out. You got to like any horse that runs a 79 buyer in, in, in its first start. You got any read on this horse? He's by Curlin, so uh, shouldn't have a problem with the distance. Yeah, he, he's kind of a grinding horse. Uh, I think for him to win sprinting was actually pretty impressive. I think he'll be better going around of ground. And, you know, Pratt rode him first time, so he basically had the choice to make, and he decided to, to stick with this horse over Ayakaro. It's probably a good problem to have, but, uh, you know, when you can get into the Baffert barn, it's, it's often a good place to stay. Well, again, we're talking about the front runner with Jay Pribman. One more horse I, I want him to chime in on. And it's a horse that's going to be uh, returning to the main track after two very successful off-the-pace races on the turf, and that is encumbered. Of course, when you put two-year-olds in the gate, you know you're going to have a bunch of horses flying on the front end. And this is also a horse that, uh, by violence, who's shown the ability to be patient and to come on at the end. Seems to know right where the wire is. Yeah, 
so he, you know, he ran once sprinting on dirt, and then he's won now twice going long, but on grass. So the question is, was it the grass or was it the distance? And with this being a grade one race, his trainer, Simon Callahan, and owner, Paul Redham, thought, well, let's find out. Because um, if it's the distance and it's a grade one and he can win it, it, it certainly there's a lot of upside to that. And if it turns out that he just doesn't like dirt, uh, he can always go back to the grass and run in the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf uh, grass race. So that's the, the play that they're making with Encumbered. Uh, makes sense. It really does. Well, listen, I'm, I'm going to... Skip, maybe we can get back to the Rodeo Drive, but the, the horse I really want to get, uh, the horse race I want to get your read on uh, is a winning you're in for the Classic. It's the awesome again. It has been announced on DRF by some of your compatriots that Dortmund will be scratched out of this race. He's been a bit of a head scratcher the last two years anyhow. And uh, so, uh, again, this, uh, this race is interesting. Uh, I hate and I love when Cupid gets in a race, uh, the reason I hate it is for the rest of the day, I've got that Sam Cooke song in my head. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love Rafael Bayerano. I, I've loved this horse since he won the West Virginia Derby going 10 wide on like all four turns because it's a bull ring. Uh, Cupid's uh, going to be dangerous, and he's trained by a guy by Bob Baffert who's dangerous anytime he puts a bridle on a horse. So he's two for two this year, and uh, I thought it was pretty impressive for him to win off of the lengthy layoff when he won the Gold Cup going a mile and a quarter at Sanania back in May. And there was some thought of sending him back east for his next race, but Stafford wanted to give him kind of an easy race and then points for this awesome again. So that's why he ran into Brubaker at Del Mar as opposed to going back east uh, to Saratoga, where, quite frankly, he would have had to run against Gunrunner. So it was probably a smart move to avoid that confrontation. Uh, and he looks like he's he's the horse to beat in here. I mean, he's he's his form is very good, and uh, this didn't come up as strong a race. In fact, we were talking earlier in regards to the uh, to the Zenyatta. You know, this race, the top three contenders for the Breeders' Cup Classic are all at Santa Anita right now with Arrogate collected and Gunrunner, and none of them are running in this race because they're all going to train straight into the into the Classic. So this is a chance for somebody else to have the spotlight on them while the big boys are staying in the barn. Well, uh, speaking of perhaps the best horse in training, Gunrunner, you got to give a tip of the cap to uh, breaking Lucky out of the Reed Baker barn, Mike Smith, up for the first time. Right. He's, I don't know, he, he just seems like he's always been kind of a cut below. He was well beaten by Gunrunner in a couple races recently, one at Churchill Downs and one at Saratoga. And he just doesn't win very often. Uh, I, I think when he's pitched against maybe second-level kind of horses, he can be more effective. But when he goes up against the big boys, he's just not good enough, uh, like you showed in the Pegasus and, and races like that. So they're going to try their luck on the West Coast. This is his first time out here. Uh, obviously, getting Mike Smith is, is is pretty neat for for them to be able to have him taking over, but I, I'm still not sure that he's quite up to this level of competition. All right, just so you know, uh, your compatriots on the East Coast, Dan Illman likes Curl and Rules, Matt Bernier likes Donworth. If you go to uh, Jay's article uh, about the uh, front runner, you'll see that their latest video is posted right in the middle of his story, and you click on it and get their picks. Well, I only got about a minute or so left, but while well, I got Jay Privman, the Rodeo Drive, it's a win and you're in, a mile and a quarter on the turf, horses aren't often asked to do that and uh the horse that stands out for me in here is this horse that just looks like he's an atm machine good year for roses and irish bread yeah i know she you know she obviously is 
the horse to beat. I think the distance is going to help her. She she ran a mile and an eighth last time, and I just think that's a little bit short of optimum for her. So going back out to a mile and a quarter, I think, is going to help her. And she didn't have the cleanest trip last time. So uh, I, I think she's – I agree with you, John. She's the horse to beat in this race. All right. Well, uh, we're talking with Jay Privman, and this will probably be the last time I get a chance to talk to him for the Breeders' Cup. I don't like to bother him on Breeders' Cup week because his plate is very, very full between his columns for the Daily Racing Forum and the work he'll be doing with NBC. But I look forward to uh, reading you. I look forward to uh, seeing you on television. I wish uh, nothing but the best of luck on November 3rd and 4th, Jay. John, it's always good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. All right. I'm a great guy right there, Jay Privman. What a talent for, to the sport. want to thank Brian Zipsy and uh, wish him best of luck. As you know, I was just kidding about the male dancer career. He's going to land on his feet in racing. It'll be interesting to see in which direction Brian goes uh, after all these years as the managing editor of Horse Racing Nation. Of course, he will still be contributing uh, to that site with some of his columns. So I uh, appreciate uh Jay, appreciate Brian. Among all, I appreciate you and all the people at winningponies.com. That's where you go to get your easy win forms. There are going to be some big pools this weekend and in the weeks ahead with the Breeders' Cup preps. So pull down your easy win forms on Winning Ponies. So for my producer, Matt Widener, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.